Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Is your market changing? That is the question that you need to be asking yourself. And the answer, by the way, if you don't want to take the time, is yes, of course, it's changing. It's always changing. But the real question is, are we starting to enter into a buyer's market? Yesterday on the podcast, we gave you some real drilled down ways of going about figuring that out for yourself. Everyone's market's different. And even in your market, there is no one market. So you really have to, you know, again, drill down to understand the nuances of what's happening. But the bottom line is, is there's no question and no one should be in doubt that we're entering into a, a we are in a changing market, which means that it's going to eventually become a buyer's market, and then it'll basically become a balanced market. It's not going to just go from a seller's market to a balanced market, a balanced market where there's like, you know, three or four months of supply of homes for sale, you know, where the process is relatively predictable, the time frames are predictable. When you see a transitioning market like this, what always happens is it's over going it's gonna overcorrect. It's over going it's gonna overcorrect on the, the buyer side, just like on this side, on this, you know, time around it's overcorrected on the seller side. That's the reason we've had such extreme re, uh, run ups in, in prices of homes. So we're headed in the other direction now. It's like the pendulum swinging and now it's swinging the opposite direction. Now that you've heard this, now that you know this, we're going to tell you what to do about it. Start with yesterday's podcast. Julie, welcome to today's show. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to be here. And yes, I was just actually uh, reminding myself about an article that was posted by you, I think, a couple days ago, which really highlights this point about changing markets and knowing your numbers locally. It was The name of the article posted on our website is are the days of milk and honey over for luxury real estate? And it gives a lot of great examples. The one that I liked the best was in Orange County, where they had broken down the difference between the days on the market for, say, half a million to a million versus once you're two to four million and four million and up. And they also highlighted the fact that 30% of the inventory is in the upper end of that. The difference is this. Around, let's say a million or less, you've got about, 48 days on the market uh, at 750 or less, and it's only 64 days on the market, even up to a million. But once it's 4 million and up, 427 days. That's a big difference. And how you handle each of those listing appointments, obviously, is dramatically different. Setting expectations, how you go about pricing, all of that kind of thing. So I think that, of course, as you said, it is changing everywhere. It's changing all the time. But it's important to know these very specific facts in your own local market. I, honestly, I think agents that don't know that are kind of doing malpractice for their clients and prospects. Yeah, definitely. You know, and so don't be scared. That's the main thing. Is uh, and most of the emails we've been getting are from brokers, frankly, that are panicking, not knowing what to do because they didn't sell real estate in a normal market. They themselves didn't sell real estate in a normal market. They themselves didn't have a brokerage in a normal real estate market, and so they don't really know what corrective measures to be taking now. And that is really what today's podcast is about. So, Julie, unless you have some folks you'd like to acknowledge from one of our private Facebook pages or whatnot, let's just jump in so we can. Okay, cool. Go ahead. Sure, I, I have a really quick one. This is from Brett Raddy. Uh, who just quickly posted 
I was door knocking in 97 degree heat today, or yesterday rather, mm. when I wanted to give up. I made myself finish out the last door that I committed myself to do. The 70th door that I knocked did know someone who's planning on listing, and now I have a listing presentation scheduled for tomorrow with that person. Lesson learned, don't quit too early. So I just had to highlight that. How many times do we quit right before we're about to have that victory? So keep on persevering. And it's not always going to take 70 doors either. Probably tomorrow Brett's going to do the same thing in the seventh door is going to you know, be the listing appointment. But it won't happen at all if you're not making the effort and you're not taking it to the finish line. So thank you for posting that, Brett. And we're going to get back to how do you know what's happening in your market? Is it changing? Where is it changing? What are you supposed to do about it? And I think that we left off around point number eight or nine, Tim. That's right. Okay. So if you missed it, you know, get caught up with yesterday's podcast. So we'll start with point number eight. Interest rates know the impact of even small rate increases. Sometimes the impact is that people don't know how high it's going to go, and indecision always creates inaction. That's when you find your lead follow-up getting harder. It's when you find you need more leads than you thought to get people to move when you need them to move. So watch interest rates and know what's going on with that. Point number nine, consumer sentiment. What are people saying in your local market? What's the, quote, word on the street? And I think that this one's a little bit of a slippery slope because you've got to ask yourself where that's coming from. You know, a lot of expired sellers really, really believed that they were going to get that 20% over last best comp price. And so their word on the street is going to be different than maybe talking to your broker who's been through this before and is doing some cautionary tale telling of pricing things correctly in the first place. But consumer sentiment, there's a lot of reporting on that. It's good to see what's floating around in the air. Anything you want to add to that, Tim? Um, Reed, the, the problem with uh, floating around in the air mostly is that it's, in terms of the media, it's going to be reporting old information. So you've got to be monitoring that. There was a report that came out today, and this is new information, um, that the GDP is expected to double and that the, uh, the economy is growing faster now than it has in basically most of our adult lives. So there's 100% positive information coming out with regards to the overall economy, which, by the way, for those of you who are still sort of in panic mode about the slowing market, who are emailing and calling, um, one of the things I'm going to tell you is what I just did, that the fact is is that the GDP unemployment rate is at, an, I think, almost a 20-year low. In other words, this is the best economy, again, of at least the past two decades. So that is going to make it so that whatever correction happens, it's not going to be like what we experienced before. Because what we experienced before was basically a collapsing economy. You know, in essence, housing was starting to take down virtually everything else. It took down the automobile industry. It took down just all kinds of ancillary businesses. Just you guys remember, it was horrible. This go around, it's just going to probably be an isolated housing slowdown, just a normal cyclical event. Um, and it's, it, that's the pattern it's following so far. So there shouldn't be any big precipitous drop in values or anything of that nature. And, and the reason is, ultimately, is because the economy overall is doing so incredibly well. And it's probably going to continue to do so for quite a while, um, except in real estate, which has reached its natural you know, peak of this particular uh, market trend, and it's going to adjust like we've been warning you guys. So don't be surprised by it. But at the same time, don't be living in fear of it and thinking you have to start getting your shovel out to you know, dig your cave, <laughs> you know, to hide out 
through this next horrible recession because it's not going to be like the last one, but it is going to be like the last one for you individually. So your individual economy might go to hell in a handbasket if you're not learning the skills necessary to adapt to this market. You know, it's going to be all about price adjustments. It's going to be about having conversations with sellers that they don't want to have, about having conversations with buyers they don't want to have. It's going to be a lot of really skill-based work that once you – you don't even really have to master it, guys. You just have to get the framework of what to say and how to say it. And once you start down that path, you're going to find that the business will come to you. And we've seen so many agents over the past 20 years of doing this that have um, – Absolutely. They went to, say, Midland or you know, low producers, and during this changing market, they started focusing on the opportunity that market was going to, you know, the expireds and the FISBOs that wouldn't sell and the, you know, all the other things that come from a market like this, and they got their skills on. They decided to beat the market uh, to the fact that it was shifting while everyone else was basically denying it, and they then became the top agents in their marketplace. That happens about every 10 years, guys. The top agents in your marketplace now won't be the top agents in your marketplace over the probably the next four to five years. These agents with these huge teams and these huge expansion teams, a lot of their business models predicated on buying leads and other expensive things that will not be financially viable in a changing market. And unless they have millions and millions and millions of dollars in reserve accounts to cover up crappy cash flow, which you know they don't, you're going to see all these big things come to an end. That is exactly what happened before, and that was what will happen again. And then the market eventually, maybe four or five years from now, it'll start. people will start talking about it being a seller's market again, and then you're going to start seeing all these big things start to swing back up. Big teams and ego marketing and all the rest of it, that's the cycle it follows. So just see it for what it is and then get ahead of the curve. You're going to start really feeling the effects of what we've been describing for you, and I don't care where in the country you are over the next easily 18 to 24 months, if not already. If you're in New York City, you are already in the heart of it. If you get, look, guys, we've been publishing a ton of reports on timandjulieharris.com about what's happening in New York City, and it, we, this is information directly from our, some of our agents, but also information is coming directly from, you know, basically the MLSs. That is what's going to happen in your market, so pay attention. What happens there will happen everywhere. What happens in L.A., what happens in New York City, what happens in these big metro markets eventually makes its way to the Midwest eventually makes its way to all over. Sometimes usually it has an effect on Canada. So that's what's, that's what's coming your way. Don't be living in fear of it. Just be prepared for it. Julie? Yes, you can plan for the worst, hope for the best, and either way you're going to cover yourself, but hiding out from it is not the answer. And we've talked on yesterday's podcast about, you know, you can't assume that you can make these big statements that the entire town of Austin is acting all the same way. It doesn't work like that. Maybe something over here in this zip code is acting different than what's in your own backyard. So you've got to really drill down much more than you you had to even a year ago. So uh, point number 10, pending home sales. Interesting fact, pending home sales exceeded the last high water mark in 2007, and what happened then? The crash followed. So does that mean there's an imminent crash? Not necessarily, but the trends are making everyone pay a lot closer attention. So watch your pending home sales. Point number 11, month's supply of homes in all price segments in your market. So typically what you'll find is there is less availability of the first-time buyer type stuff or even first-time move-up inventory. And as you climb price, you're going to see more and more inventory typically, which gives you more month's supply. Again, not knowing that really is malpractice because the plan that you put in place for your sellers 
can be very different. And one of the hot topics in premier coaching right now, Tim, is this phenomenon of how do you strategize when a seller is also a buyer? Well, it's different if they're moving up, right? Especially if they're moving way up, they're going to have potentially more to choose from. The higher they go, they might even get away contingent with home sale if they're the only offer on a house that's been around for 180 days. But what if they're downsizing and they're competing against millennials and it's a hot new construction neighborhood and there's only three homes available? Well, in that case, they're going to have a different strategy. They may need to buy or build first and then sell their house second. So the, the way you go about helping someone, especially when they're doing both buying and selling, can be dramatically affected by the month's supply, the days on the market, you know, whether you're competing or not, all of those types of things. It also, of course, affects your, your offer strategy, right? So are you going to write a full price offer on something that's been on the market, like our Orange County example, for 427 days? Probably not. Are you going to write a full price offer on something that's been on the market for three days and while you were seeing it, there were six other couples walking through? Well, that's going to be a lot different, isn't it? So pay attention to what's going on in all price segments because they don't act the same. Point number 12, increasing rents. So Tim, why would increasing rents have an impact on the market? Why is that something to watch? Well, so what happens when you're – so Julie and I are landlords and many of you guys are too – when you, you can only raise rents, basically, when demand increases. So if we have a property and we put a for rent sign out front and, or, you know, we have one of our uh, PMs put a, you know, ad in Craigslist or whatever, put it on the MLS and they get 10 apps right away, well, chances are we can raise the rent. So what's happened in a lot of these, on a lot of these markets is you're able to raise rents by 10% per year. There's a whole bunch of other reasons that are going on for that, too, lack of inventory being uh, one of them. But at the end of the day, guys, the increase in rents usually outpaces the increase in people's pay. Now, this now I'm talking about inflation, which is another, you know, bag of gobbledygook, which I won't bore you guys with. But what you're going to experience, what's going to happen, is that inflation is going to start kicking in. Uh, inflation in this particular example with Julie's question is going to be inflation of rent prices, right? Inflating rent prices, raising rent prices. But you're also going to see, oddly enough, an inflation or a a raise of property values too. So when, when you start hearing people talk about inflation, and you're going to hear it more, just trust me on that. You're going to hear people talking about, well, the inflation rate, the target inflation rate has been 2 to 3% per year, and we've not been able to get to 3%. Well, you're probably going to see by the end of this year into next year, well, it sort of turns out inflation's at 3 or 4%, which means that the cost of things in general, the things that they track, so inflation, uh, w when they're trying to figure out what the inflation rate is, they're not taking everything into account. They're taking a, a few specific consumer items. Well, by a few, I mean a lot. And they're tracking what those things cost. And so when they see, for example, that the inflation rate of all that collective you know, sampling of products that normal people buy, when they see the prices of those increase, they figure out what the average is. And that's, I mean, I'm giving you a very rudimentary ex uh, explanation of how they figure out the inflation rate, but that's it. So then what happens is, is that the cost of everybody's stuff goes up, your cost of your stuff. Milk will go up. You know, gasoline will go up. All these other types of things will become more expensive, but tr the people's incomes trail. So typically what happens is that people, even if they're commission-based people, they are still uh, geared towards making a certain amount of money, and they won't uh, work harder, earn more money, 
at the same time, their cost of living increases. That's the effect of inflation. That's the reason that uh, most people in the, in the country who are living month to month, if not week to week, a rising inflation rate of just a slight amount can, can create some serious headwinds. What does that do? It causes also, because rent prices are inflating and because it's causing um, you know, consumer items to inflate, it causes people to have less money to save for down payments. And then that will eventually have an effect on the real estate market as property values inflated. But then what happens if the inflation doesn't get under control, then the, again, the whole pendulum effect happens. And on the other end of that, property values can deflate because lack of demand. So in the short run, you're going to see inflation cause a uh, increase in value of homes. And then you're going to see if, it, if the inflation sticks around like it did in the late 70s when Julie and I were just basically babies, then we're and you guys need to go back and research this. Just you know, fire up the Google machine and you know understand what could happen. Um, there, and Argentina is a really bad example of what can happen uh, it, as far as inflation goes. If things get way out of control, it, the cycle is very predictable. But if what happens is the things get too expensive too fast, then nobody can afford them, and then the values come crashing down. That that did happen in the late 70s in real estate. So. It just I'm giving you guys the other end of this. If we see any reasons to believe, say, two years from now, that that's what's going to happen in, in real estate, we'll tell you. But for now, the simple fact is, is that we're just dealing with an adjusting market. So, um, but here's the other thing. It's kind of an interesting uh, you know, parallel to this. Inflation is also going to cause new construction prices to go up. You guys have already seen that. Julie and I are doing a rehab on, on this new office that we're doing. And we had to, uh, we were putting in driveways and all this other stuff. And my concrete contractor, though he didn't, wanted to raise the price of our cost per square foot of our concrete to compensate for the, ca the increase of the cost of his rebarb, for the steel rebarb that he's putting into the concrete. He wanted to raise our cost of $1.75 a square foot, which he didn't, but I'm just saying that is a, a, an effect, a direct effect. It's costing him more. He was trying to pass that cost back to me. And then what you're going to see is new construction prices are going to increase. Now, when new construction prices increase, that also could create an interesting opportunity for older resale homes that are sitting on the market because they, are, um, they will look like better values. You know, houses that need kitchens and roofs and whatnot all of a sudden will look like better values because now that new construction is going to be a lot more than the resale home. So these are the types of thoughts and thinkings and lookings around and understandings of how the market gyrations will, have, will create opportunities for you guys. But stay tuned into it. You are, you have at your fingertips the best possible information you can get from your MLS is exactly what's going on. Your days on the market, your absorption rate, your list to sell price ratio. And remember, break break all this stuff into you know price segments. If your market doesn't go down to you know say hundred thousand dollar price range, most markets don't anymore. But run fifty to a hundred, hundred to two hundred, two hundred to three hundred, three hundred, or wherever the natural bottom is on your market and wherever the normal top is on the market, and then do your analysis for each of those price segments, and then have that information. Uh, produced for you, usually twice a month, is going to give you a really good indication of what's happening. And by the way, this is the type of information your sellers, well, not all of them, but most of them, are really going to want you and expect you to know. Then you can watch trends. Then you can see, well, I see a lot of softness in that three dollars to $400,000 price range. The days in the market's gone from you know, 22 days, now it's up to 44 days. So when I'm going to go list that house that's in that price range, I sure as hell better be taking into account that it's not going to take the 22 days that 
you know, I thought it was or it has historically. It's going to take two or three times that amount of time. Oh, and I better also prepare that seller for the fact that, you know, I can't be giving them bad information about, oh, the house will sell itself in 22 days. I better be telling that seller it's going to take three or four months, maybe five months, you know, depending on how fast the market is adjusting downward uh, or the days in the market's extending, uh, you know, to get the house sold. Otherwise, what's going to happen is the seller will fire you. You're going to walk in there and they're going to say, well, you overpromised me and you didn't get the, you da, 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 and they won't keep you around. Remember, we told you this yesterday, the ultimate secret to being a successful listing agent is having the listing when it, having the listing when it sells. And a lot of you guys are just focused on getting the listing, which is the, the correct mindset for this past market. But keeping the listing when it sells is the correct mindset for the new market. Julie? Well, that's an interesting thing to think about, too, because one of the things we see coaching-wise when this happens is the agents that haven't been watching this and pre-programming their sellers that maybe it's not going to take 30 seconds, it might take 30 days, or it might take six months when they get stuck with listings in their mind they're stuck with listings that aren't selling and so what does the fearful agent jump to next well why would i want more of them we start to hear that well then what i've got isn't selling why would i want five more of them well because listings are very much more scalable than working with buyers what you're really avoiding is having the skills it takes to manage the expectations of yourself and of your seller clients long enough to be the listing agent at the end of that rainbow. That's what you've got to work on, not consciously or subconsciously fighting the thought of having more listings. So until you have that added skill, like communicating with your sellers every single week about what's going on in the marketplace, which, by the way, we teach in Premier Coaching with your communication plan, mm -hmm. you know, every week talking to the seller about what's happened to compete with them, what are the new listings, where are they priced at, did you go preview them, how does their listing stand up, should we do any adjustments to combat the new competition, what has sold or not sold since we've been on the market. Until you get good at that, you will be fearful of having to handle more relationships for a longer period of time. That's not the answer to a changing market. That's a great way to, you know, end your profitability, basically, because you'll continue to live in fear, and then you'll drive yourself into only being able to work with buyers because that's easier, right? So I, I just caution them not to have those thoughts, why would I want more? The thought you need to be having is, I've got to sharpen my skills, and, you know, this is where some of the weak agents will disappear because they don't step up to it. I think it's really exciting for our agents who are getting their skills together, and certainly for our top producers and our grizzled veterans, this is their time that they can shine. I, I hear it all the time on the premier coaching call from our more veteran agents. Gosh, you know what? This is exciting. The sellers need us more. I know how to do this. I know how to have a relationship mm -hmm. for 90 days and then another 45 to close it. That's fantastic because guess what? I'm going to still do a killer job and do all the things I've always done to sell the homes I've always sold. But now that I have more time to do it in, just from an agent standpoint, the spinoff business you get from holding on to a listing longer than 32 seconds is a good thing for you. You can do more marketing, advertising, open houses, lead follow-up, all of the rest. That I mean, some of you guys in a hot market got so lazy you weren't even using a sign because <laughs> you figured, why bother? It's going to sell overnight. You know, those days are probably coming to an end, maybe not everywhere all at the same time, but we're already seeing pockets. So let's round this out with our last couple of points. How do you know that this is happening? Well, 
I think you wrote down funny but true things to watch out for, and you've mentioned a little bit of this, fancy agent marketing, overproduced agent videos, signs that the market's probably topped. Agent ego marketing is an indication of an overinflated market. Also, no one talking about profit, brokerages and teams being okay with making less than 10% net. And investors backing, these are venture capitalist uh, companies that, uh, investor backing companies that sell stuff to agents like CRMs, lead generation, etc. And then something we're also seeing right now. Point number 14, our final point. Slow or no showings on listings you thought would be hot. I've seen this with some of our elite clients that are on top of things, but because the comps were maybe 60 days old and there wasn't much to work on in between now the new listing and 60 to 90 day old comps, it looked like it was priced right. It might even have looked like it was a little bit competitive. And yet, it didn't sell in two weeks and two open houses. What's going on with that? And then another one comes on the market in the same neighborhood or the same building, priced basically the same, and the same thing happens to them. And a third one comes on the market, you all sit there together for the next 30 days, and then what happens? It's a war of price reductions. One of you comes down, then another one has to come down, and now all of a sudden things are adjusting. We're seeing this. You guys have to really be aware of it. And is there some obvious problem with that? No, it's just what's happening. It's, it's the ebb and flow of what happens in real estate markets. So who's going to win in the end? Well, you know what? If you're not talking to your sellers and they see that happening, what happens when a seller sees that new listing come on to compete with them and you didn't even tell them about it? What happens when there is a price reduction of the unit next to them and you didn't tell them about it? They start to lose faith in you, and that's when you can get fired. That's when expireds happen. So the only question you really have to ask yourself is which end of that expired do you want to be on? Do you want it to expire on you, or do you want to be the agent that picks up the expired? We have a rule in Premier that you're only allowed to prospect expired. You're not allowed to actually have any of your own. Tough love. Back to you, Tim. I've got to so get to Speaking Premier. of Premier, guys, so speaking of Premier, a lot of you are requesting free coaching calls. This is a great time of year to do it. Free business analysis. We're going to give you a, uh, you know, six books, but the two books, obviously, I mention these almost every day, but it's really it's because you guys tell us so many great things about them. Is the Real Estate Treasure Map and Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate. When you request a free coaching call, you get six books, but those two in particular are the ones that people rant and rave about. Make sure you download those right away. If there's ever anything we can do for you guys, it's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. We're getting more requests to speak. Uh, in person to MLSs and big brokerages and whatnot. We're always open for opportunities to be closer to you guys, virtually or otherwise. So if you're interested in having us speak, just email me directly, tim at timandjulieharris.com, and I'll connect you with um, someone on our team which will answer all of your questions about you know topics and all that good stuff. So guys, listen, bottom line, we're probably a little early telling you this information. Probably in some of your markets, you're not really going to feel it for another six months. But you have beneficially warned, and, and for those of you who are in these you know, big major metro markets that are in complete reversal, we warned you two years ago. Um, you know, we were telling you guys two, what, two and a half years ago that New York City was making us nervous. We told you that. It's historical fact. You know, we did podcasts about it. 
Um, so we're telling you the same thing now for the rest of the country, and it's up to you now to do something with this information. It's up to you now to basically realize that this is going to be a great opportunity for you to exercise your muscles and your ability to do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level, which means in some of your cases, most of your cases, it's going to mean learning how not just to survive but thrive in a changing market. If you guys need us for anything, it's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. Have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.